Hey, this is Tom Gresham. First of all, let me thank you for listening to Gun Talk on the podcast. And while you're at it, be sure to let your friends know about it, because some folks don't know that they can listen to Gun Talk on the Internet. While we're at it, you got to go check out Gun Talk TV. It's our new website with all this video with instruction about shooting and new products and all kind of cool stuff. It's guntalk.tv, guntalk.tv. TV, check it out, let people know about it because it's a great place to either learn about a new shooting discipline like trap or skeet or self-defense, or if you're very new into shooting, you can go there and learn the absolute basics. Guntalk.tv. Thanks. It's Tom Gresham's Gun Talk. Where all the women are fast, all the men are accurate, and all the children are aware of their muzzles. Hey, welcome to Gun Talk. Glad that you could be with us. I'm Tom Gresham, and we're going to settle back and talk a little bit about, well, guns, shooting, ammunition, gun storage, and gun rights. And gun rights are a big deal for us because it is very much in the news. This year, this is going to be a monster year in terms of what's going on with elections, Supreme Court cases, a lot of other things happening. And uh, if you'd like to join us, just write down this number because I think there's a good chance you're going to end up thinking, eh, I want to call those guys. They're just full of it. <laughs> well, I'm not saying you're wrong, but you may want to give us a call and let us know why. Our number is 866-TALK-GUNS, 866-TALK-GUNS. Uh, it's a real pleasure to bring in uh, a friend of ours, an, a frequent guest here, and often filling in to uh, host for me here. Appreciate that. Alan Gottlieb from the Second Amendment Foundation. Alan, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, Tom. Good to be back with you again. Well, it's always fun. Um, yeah, the problem is it's the fastest hour of my life when I do <laughs> your show. <laughs> it is, isn't it? It yeah, just, the time just really flies. I mean, it's, uh, it's it's that's the scary part about it. You know, it's and it's amazing how everybody who comes on as a guest says, "I can't believe an hour went by that fast." Yeah, so, that's okay. It's but we have a lot of fun things to talk about. Let me ask you, uh, you and let me just set the stage here. You're a founder of the Second Amendment Foundation. You you know the Citizens Committee for the Right to Keep and Bear Arms. You've written a whole bunch of books about gun rights. You're one of the leading researchers uh, about. You've basically been in the trenches for decades on this. And you and I have talked about this a lot. I mean, we've both been watching this game for a long time. I think, I'm just going to throw this out, and I want to get your impression on it. I think this may be one of, if not the most important years for gun rights in at least 50 years, if not a lot longer. What's your take on that? Well, I've been at this since 1972, which is longer than I like to admit. I think it's probably the most important year we're facing since I've been actively involved in the gun rights battle for a number of reasons. And some are good and some are bad. Okay. Why don't you just launch into them? Well, I guess I've been working my whole life on one hand to try and get the Supreme Court to uh, take a case to rule on the Second Amendment. It looks like we're going to have that happen this year, which is obviously monumental. Uh, and that's, you know, I think that's going to be a good thing because I think, quite frankly, we're going to win at the Supreme Court level. We may not get everything we all want, but we're sure going to get a chunk of it and a foundation to build on for future cases, which we're already working on, by the we're, way. We're talking about the D.C. gun case. This is the, called the Heller case, where you and I agree that we think the Supreme Court's going to come in with a strong ruling that the Second Amendment is an individual right. Obviously, they also think they're going to say, with some restrictions, and then 
that's when it basically say, game on, here we go. Yeah, and of course, I think the anti-gunners are going to claim that this victory for them because, quote-unquote, it didn't take out every gun control law that exists. Uh, but on the other hand, it's going to set the foundation for us to uh, not only take out the D.C. gun ban, but to challenge a whole bunch of others uh, thereafter. So what I think we're going to see is, one, we're going to be more on the legal offensive, and two, the other side is going to be more on the offensive, particularly on the state and local level, of pushing all kinds of weird restrictions that don't really take your guns away but make it hard for you to have them or use them. That's interesting. You know, I've been seeing over the last two or three years a lot more activity on the state level than on the federal level. Is that because they're just not getting anywhere on the federal level? Partly that, and I think partly the anticipation of this of this lawsuit. Most of the anti-gun groups and activists in the country did not want the Supreme Court to get this case. And again, I think we have to probably thank the mayor of uh, Washington, D.C. for being so bullheaded and making sure the case got to the Supreme Court. Most of the gun activists did not want it to go. They were worried about losing it. Oh, okay. So, again, again, we score our victories when the other side fumbles. You know, I mean, in D.C., to be honest with you, I hate to say this, I can say it now because it's already been argued before the court, we're just waiting for a decision. But if, if, the, if the mayor and the anti-gun city council in D.C. would have just changed a half a dozen words in the mm-hmm. law, Mm-hmm. And in fact, said that okay, handguns are still banned, but you know, rifles and shotguns don't have to be broken down and locked up. Uh, it would, what it would have meant is, is the challenge to the Supreme Court would have been moot because they changed the law. You still couldn't get handguns. We'd have to go back to square one and file suit all over again. They were just too but, hard-headed, right? And then five years later, we'd be arguing it all over again. But he would have he would have dodged the bullet at least for five years. But he's too it was too pig-headed to do it. So we have to thank him. Just like I think we have to thank like, you know, Mayor Nagin in New Orleans for confiscating guns so we can slap him down mm-hmm. and win in court. Just like we can, we can thank the mayor of San Francisco for pushing a handgun ban in that city, which we struck down in court. Uh, yeah, like, by, by the way, go into that because people – I was amazed that the national media did not really cover that. Boy, well, you know, they covered it earlier on, but last month here when – this month I don't I, – Time also gets mixed up here. But when the California Supreme Court just ruled unanimously to uphold the appeals court decision, the, the national media was dead silent on it. Basically, totally dead silent. what happened was California has a preemption law that says cities cannot pass gun control laws. San Francisco said, we don't care, we're going to do it anyway, even though we know it's illegal. And, right, and of course, back in, and they did it back in 1982 when the Second Amendment Foundation filed in court and overturned it then. Same and they thing. Went and, did, and they went and did it again. Uh, so we knew we were going to win. But the national media just, you know, when you, when you end up getting the lower court judge ruling our way, three appeals court judges ruling our way, and then the state Supreme Court ruling our way unanimously, and the media ignores it, that bothers me a little bit. Yeah, at a certain point you're thinking, okay, there's a pattern here of not covering this because one could say, because the story didn't come out the way the national media wanted it to. Yeah, I think you could say that, you know. Okay. And, and again, just this, just this past past month uh, in Philadelphia, when the mayor there goes and passes, uh, I don't know, five or six anti-gun laws that he has no authority to pass, the same way San Francisco did, and there's now an injunction in court stopping him from being enforced. We always have to thank the other side for overreaching and being stupid. When they know they can't win and they're breaking <laughs> laws themselves, they go and do it anyway. I love the way you put that, Alan. That's just great. They're, they're, they're just stupid, and it really helps us out when they do that. Yeah, I mean, all of our big victories, and we've had a lot of them in the last couple of years, all came because the other side keeps fumbling the football. Hmm. Okay. So we have all of this stuff happening. We have the Heller case. Uh, the decision will probably come in mid to late June. And the interesting part is this juxtaposition of that with this election and the primary that will not end. 
over from the Democrat Party. Uh, how does I'm, all I'm, that? I'm kind of glad, Tom, that it won't end. Because finally what's coming to light is the gun control issue in the presidential race because it won't end. Well, they tried to bury it. They tried to bury it, but now, but now it keeps raising its head and they can't bury it anymore. And so gun owners are now getting a good feel for exactly you know, where the candidates are, which leads me into my next book, by the way, oh. which is about 90 days out from, from coming off press, which you're going to love this. These dogs don't hunt. The Democrats <laughs> war on guns. <laughs> well, I loved your last book, the one that you and Dave did together. That's a great book. Yeah, uh, America Fights Back, uh, Armed Self-Defense in a Violent Age. And what's amazing to me is that book has stayed number one on Amazon in the gun control category for the last six months straight. And this is a, st- this is a book that documents, not I heard or I, somebody told me, this is real-world, honest, good people who use guns in self-defense. Yeah, what's really interesting, uh, funny, you know, on Amazon, people are allowed to post reviews and comments about in various books as well. Mm-hmm. And a couple, two anti-gunners, one of them who runs an anti-gun group, I think, in Georgia, and another one who gets a lot of money from one of the anti-gun foundations, did, did some uh, reviews of the book that really were aimed at not just being on Amazon, but on other websites to try and shut down the sales of the book on Amazon. Right. And they got so much heat back for doing it from, from, from thousands of people that they pulled their reviews off, off every place in the Internet. Really well, yeah. They got basically they got called for what they were, and everybody said, "I saw those actually." And people said, "Look, this is who this guy is. He is with a gun control group, and these are the posts he's made on other places." And you know, we understand you know, it's very clear to everybody what this guy is doing. Hey, hey Alan, hold on, just hold on, just a second here. Let me take a quick break here, so we'll have a little more more room on the back side. We're talking with Alan Gottlieb, Second Amendment Foundation on the internet is saf.org. Our number eight six six Talk Guns. I'm Tom Gresham. You want the newest rifle innovations, and that's what the Smith & Wesson iBolt rifle delivers. From the match-grade barrel to the one-piece weaver scope mount, this gun defines the next generation of rifles. Your iBolt rifle includes patented features such as the easy-turn bolt release, true-set trigger so you can set it the way you want it, recoil reduction chamber, X-bed stock design, its stronger, lighter, and flush sling mounts. Get the details on the iBolt rifle from Smith & Wesson. Visit smith-wesson.com. Your AR-15 should be a sound investment, and Stag Arms has you covered. Made from forged aircraft-quality aluminum, Stag is one of the most durable and dependable rifles in the world. Makers of the only true left-handed carbine, Stag Arms has been tested and battle-proven by elite SWAT teams. Every component is made in the USA, so you get the highest quality, whether left or right-handed. Each Stag Arms rifle carries a lifetime warranty, too. Call 860-229-9994 or go online at stagarms.com. Browning has been the leader in auto-loading shotguns from the very beginning, starting 90 years ago with John M. Browning's famous Auto 5. But Browning designers haven't been sitting still. Their new model, the Gold, redefines what a gas-operated shotgun should be. In wing shooting, feel is the key, and the Gold flies to the shoulder with a liveliness never before seen in an auto-loader. The shorter, lighter-weight receiver puts the balance between the hands, where the top shooters want it. And the short piston stroke makes for an extremely clean shooting gun. The Browning Gold adjusts automatically to any load, from one-ounce target ammo to heavy three-inch magnums. 
And unlike some 20s, which are built on a heavy 12-gauge frame, the Gold 20 is a true 20-gauge, using its own smaller action. Of course, all Gold shotguns exhibit the high quality and attention to detail that shooters everywhere have come to expect from Browning. Discover the new standard, the Gold Standard in auto-loading shotguns. Check out the Gold 12 and 20 at your local Browning dealer. If you want to shoot better or help someone get into shooting, check out GunTalkTV.com. This is Tom Gresham. For firearms basics as well as advanced instruction, you don't have to leave home. It's called Gun Talk TV, and it's firearms video instruction online at GunTalkTV.com. That's GunTalkTV.com. You'll find all kinds of instruction, plus lots of gun safety video at GunTalkTV.com. Hey, welcome back to Gun Talk. Oh, by the way, this is the last week where you can register to win a free pistol. We're giving away a Springfield Armory XD pistol and 45 ACP. Great pistol. This is the one with the uh, the external thumb safety, the newest one. Uh, all you got to do is go to guntalktv.com. Or just, I tell you what, go do it this way. Guntalk.tv slash contest. That's easier. Guntalk.tv slash contest. You just register to win. And the end of the month, we're going to pull a name and somebody's going to win a pistol. Pretty cool. We're talking with Alan Gottlieb from the Second Amendment Foundation about, well, basically kind of, this is the year that was. This is going to be a year that determines an awful lot of things. We have, you know, presidential election. We have the Heller case coming down. And there are some other things going on. But, Alan, did you want to talk about the election? and? Yeah, let, let me preface it this way. I, I we, we opened up our registration for the Gun Rights Policy Conference in Phoenix, September 26, 27, and 28. Mm-hmm. And the banner for the for the conference, or the, the, the uh, I guess, the theme, mm-hmm. is Elect Freedom. And I got a quick email back from somebody that said, Alan, we have a problem. Freedom's not on the ballot this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. You know, and for a lot of gun owners, that's that, that's what the feeling is, yeah. that we have a problem this election, uh, that things aren't going to break too well for us no matter what. Uh, the, the two Democratic frontrunners for their nomination are extremely anti-gun, and John McCain has a mixed record, call it a C. Mm-hmm. You have two Fs and a C. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the way, way national politics are breaking, a lot of our pro-gun rights incumbents, uh, not just in Congress but in many state legislatures, are in very big trouble, and uh, we're probably going to have some uh, severe losses in, in, on the front line of the battle in the legislatures in Congress to protect our gun rights. So while on one hand the courts are, are moving in our direction, uh, the election cycle is not very, very favorable to us this year, and I'm really kind of concerned about it because I think we're going to see uh, a seeds being planted in this election to give us a lot of fits for the next four years. It's yeah, and this is definitely one of those yeah buts. Yeah, but you know we have a pretty clear choice. The choice is not who's great and who's bad. The choice is who's bad and who's maybe okay. Uh, that's still a pretty clear choice, don't you think? Well, um, I don't know. One can make an argument that that's a clear choice uh, with regard to how much damage we could face if the wrong people were to get elected. On the other hand, it's not going to further our fight at all because I don't think, quite frankly, uh, you know, that, that John McCain, who's the C candidate, is going to do a whole lot to, to, to advance us. And you have to remember that he was not just in favor of 
the legislation that would have shut gun shows down. He was the sponsor of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I understand. So, so the problem is, as well, there's no doubt that he's a whole lot better than you know, Hillary Clinton and uh, Barack, Barack Obama. Obama. Yeah. He's not somebody who's, go- who's going to be even as good, in my opinion, as George Bush was, who wasn't all that great. Who wasn't either. that great in the first place. So we're t- no matter what, we're, we're, we're sliding down the, the slide a little bit. We're not climbing up the ladder. There is also and the issue of Supreme Court justice nominations. That's a very big, important thing, yes. Now, we know, of course, that Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton would not ever appoint anybody who supported the Second Amendment as an individual right. And just because we plan on winning one Supreme Court case now doesn't mean that it can't be, you know, rug pulled out from underneath us or be emasculated right. in the future. Mm-hmm. And with John McCain, I still have no guarantee that we're going to get the judges we want appointed either. We've written and asked him and talked to him, wanted him to sign a pledge about it, but he he does, does not respond. So the problem here is, and we also don't know who he's going to pick for his vice president. There's still a whole lot of unknowns if anybody is going to be pro-gun rights at all. You know, if John McCain picks somebody who's anti-gun and at his age doesn't serve a full term, we could even be in just as bad a shape as if uh, Hillary or Barack wins. Well, when people ask you what should they do in terms of voting, what do you tell them? Uh, it's their, it's, I, I don't tell them. I basically say, you, you make the decision because I'm, I'm wrestling with it myself. You know, we do have a third-party candidate that's probably going to be there, con- former Congressman Bob Barr, running as Libertarian, who obviously can't win. Uh, but on the other hand, is pure on the issue. Uh, I've known Bob as a personal friend for a million years, and as you know, he's been a guest speaker at the Gun Rights Policy yeah, Conference. He's been on this show year. several times. And, and good, good guy, but who so, does he help? Who does he hurt? Yeah, and so the thing is, is that this time around, I'm wrestling, I'm personally wrestling with: do I stand my ground and just vote totally 100 percent on principle, or do I be pragmatic and support somebody that that cuts our losses a bit? Uh, and and yeah. normally I'm normally I'm always very pragmatic, mm-hmm. uh, but this time I'm having a hard time in my own mind right now saying that I'm going to be pragmatic. So I'm just, I'm just going to say, see. in all the years I've known you, I've never heard you struggle like this. This is this is a struggle year. It's a struggle year for all gun owners. I think we need to realize that because we this this is a very important watershed year. Hmm. Tell you what, I got a call for you. Uh, line four, Bill's with us out of San Juan, New Mexico. Bill, you're on Gun Talk. Yes, sir. Uh, how do you see the uh, legislative elections going the, uh, for Congress and the, and the Senate? Are we going to get any relief there? No, mm. we're not. It's going to be worse for sure, uh, mainly because, like it or not, the Democrats tend to be more anti-gun than the Republicans. And uh, the Republicans have a whole lot of turnover going both in the House and the Senate with, with people not running for re-election and more seats to defend in the Senate than usual. So the odds are, under normal circumstances, in what you would call the third the third term of, of trying to have a Republican presidency, you always have losses anyway. Uh, and I add that to the fact that the Republicans are not very much having much luck in popularity at the polls right now on top of that. Uh, it would look like it's not going to be a good year at all and that we're going to lose a lot of ground. Bill, Bill, is that? I mean, that's not good news, Bill. But that's uh, and that's what I'm hearing from other sources too, who follow this. Basically, we're tr- hoping to not lose the supermajority. Uh, that's that would be the real killer. In the yeah, Senate. I understand. Yeah, that. See, now, I, now, in fairness, that's Bill, kind of the way my thoughts were. Uh, I was kind of thinking it was going to be this way for us. It's, uh, yeah, Bill. I, I don't know. You know, we'll just endure, I guess. 
Bill, Bill, in the last election cycle, when the Democrats made their gains and took control of the House and the Senate, what's interesting is, of the new freshman Democrats that came in, about a third of them were anti-gun, about a third of them were actually pro-gun, and a third of them ran as if they were pro-gun, but really aren't, but don't <laughs> want to deal with the issue at all. They want to go away because they, don't, they, don't, they want to get reelected in swing districts. Hmm. My concern is, they, and they've been very good for us in, in this Congress, my concern is, is that after the next election cycle, when Democrats increased the majority substantially, the third in the middle that really are anti-gun but didn't want to deal with it will now deal with it and vote against us. Uh, they'll feel that they have the support that they uh, didn't have before. Correct, and that's what really worries me. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough year. And, you know, just from a pure number standpoint, if you have more Republicans retiring than Democrats, anytime you had, just to pick a number, if you had 10 Republicans retiring, generally speaking, flip a coin, you're going to get them replaced with five Republicans, five Democrats. Yeah, open seats are always easier for the opposition party to win. Right. And when you don't have an incumbent running. Exactly. By the way, you mentioned earlier the Gun Rights Policy Conference. Let me give that information out again. It's, it's September 26, 27, 28. It is a most incredible weekend. It is empowering to the ex-power. It is completely free, which is the most amazing thing. And you come back with this huge stack of not just literature, but books. You get to talk with industry leaders. You get to talk with the gun rights leaders. I mean, you got Alan Gottlieb there. You got Wayne LaPierre there. You got people from the NSSF there. You got NRA. You got all the gun groups are there where everybody's thinking, all these guys are always fighting. Well, no, not really. Uh, you know, there may be some turf wars now and then, but basically you'll have them all there. And all you got to do is go online to sign up, saf.org. Yeah, uh, it's, it, and, and we were already we just opened registration, and we're running well ahead of schedule. So if I would urge people not to wait late this year because we could have a problem. It's at the Sheridan Crescent Hotel in Phoenix, Arizona, and all the information is on the website, which leads me back, Tom, when we exchanged emails about uh, me being a guest on your show today. Mm-hmm. You, we, we, the Second Amendment Foundation put out an email about a new website that's out there yeah. that, that what's, you want to talk about. What is that, gunstories.org? What is that thing? Well, what's interesting is this sort of started um, – or we met these people at the last gun rights policy conference that we held in Cincinnati. Uh, we got contacted by a film crew that wanted to come out and film it all to do a documentary on the gun rights, gun control battle. And they're were sort of left of center, you know, fairly liberal, but but appeared to be very balanced in what they wanted to do. All right, Alan, so, let me let me stop you right there because we're going to run to the break, and this is a fascinating story. The uh, the gunstories.org website that Alan's talking about. And it's just yet another example of what happens at Gun Rights Policy Conference. Things happen there. It's like when people say, why are you going? Just because things happen there. I don't know what's going to happen, but things happen there at the Gun Rights Policy Conference. Our number is 866-TALK-GUNS, 866-TALK-GUNS. We're visiting with Alan Gottlieb from the Second Amendment Foundation. I'm Tom Gresham. Gun 
Hey, this is Gun Talk, and I'm Tom Gresham. Our number is 866-TALK-GUNS, 866-TALK-GUNS. We're visiting with Alan Gottlieb, founder of the Second Amendment Foundation, the Citizens Committee for the Right to Keep and Bear Arms, author of a number of books on gun rights, one of the one of the gun rights activists and leaders of the movement over the last 30-plus, mm, plus-plus years. Kind of like uh, Alan and I have par- parallel paths on this, started about the same time. Uh, Alan, you were starting to tell us about uh, GunStories.org, this new website, and how this came about. You said at the Gun Rights Policy Conference? Yeah, what happened is we got contacted by uh, a, a New York production company that wanted to come to the Gun Rights Policy Conference and film it gavel to gavel to get interviews with all the speakers and leaders because they wanted to do a documentary on the gun rights battle. And they seemed, while their past history had been pretty much more liberal-type documentaries, they seemed like they really wanted to be very, very fair on the gun rights issue. Mm-hmm. And so we said, sure, come on out. And they came out, and by their questions and everything else, they were definitely balanced and fair. And they put a bunch of film in the can, and then they went to the NRA, uh, I mean, excuse me, the SHOT Show and some other places, and did some other filming. And they're planning on doing a documentary on the, you know, people involved in the gun rights battle and the organizations and why people own guns or oppose owning guns, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And what came out of that was the fact that the, the people behind this have done a lot of uh, big-name stuff that's been out there. And one of the producers is Mark Weiss, uh, basically has been a consultant and, and has worked very, very heavy on uh, development uh, for storylines things like uh, Boston Legal and Ally McBeal and The Practice oh. and a, a number of other stuff. So he's, he's very well connected. And they're looking making a theatrical documentary along with the possibility of a TV series on gun stories of people who have used guns for self-defense and things. And, uh, you know, and, and in a fair and balanced, we're not saying it's 100% our side of the, right. of, the, of the thing, but definitely giving our side, you know, fair, hmm. no doubt fair treatment. And so to acquire these gun stories for both the theatrical docu- documentary as well as the possible TV series if they're able to sell it to somebody, and they've sold their stuff to everybody else before, uh, they set up this website called GunStories.org for people to post this, their gun stories. And and if you post a story, it might end up being used, and you might actually be in part of one of these presentations. Oh, okay. So it's, it's a very interesting thing to you know to, to break, break into Hollywood, so to speak, in this area <laughs> where it never gives us much much attention, so we're kind of excited about it, and it's not our website, but it's, it's, it's the production company's website, and it's gunstories.org, and it's kind of interesting, there's already a bunch of stories posted, so you can get a flavor and a feel for what people are posting, and it's just it's an open posting area, but if you do post, uh, the warning is your stuff might get used uh, on television or in a documentary. Okay, good deal, gunstories.org. I've got some callers that got questions for you, is that Okay. Sure. All right. Let's go to uh, Ed on line three. He's in New York State. Hello, Ed. You're on Hi, with Tom. Alan. Nice talking to you guys. You bet. Uh, I'm just sort of wondering about gun rights and ge- general rights in, in particular of the three candidates running, Obama, Clinton, and McCain. Who do you think might be more effective in moving the country to the left, anti-gun rights, anti-rights in particular? Oh, wow. Uh the one I think could be more effective in moving it to the left is probably Barack Obama. Uh, he's smart, he's intelligent, he's charismatic, he's a great speaker, uh, and there's no doubt that his experiences in things he's done in the past are, 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 are much further to the left than he leads on to be. Uh, and considering he's newer quantity and doesn't have the baggage that, say, that Hillary carries for lots of years of political struggles and battles, 
uh, I think that he, he he appeals to independence a whole lot and young people who haven't studied where he's really coming from. Uh, I think he's the more dangerous one. Okay. You know, Alan, one of the things that's coming to light now, I'm just seeing a lot more, about, I think you had to appreciate that, uh, I'm seeing more about it now is Barack Obama's affiliation with the Joyce Foundation. And people are, you know, the Joyce Foundation has been able to fly under the radar for quite some time, and uh, people are only now finding out, they may have known that it was an anti-gun group, but they're finding out how much they have actually funded this bogus anti-gun research with big quotes around research that some of it was actually used to file the uh, amicus briefs in the Heller case. Yeah, they've actually paid for a lot of the, the amicus briefs in, in the Heller case opposing gun rights, but they've also, I mean, they, the, the John Hopkins medical, anti-gun medical uh, mm-hmm. group, group that's out there with all these medical studies against guns, they totally fund that. The Violence Policy Center gives uh, that, you know, Totally anti-gun, looking for gun bans. They and and, and Barack them. Obama was on the board of the Joyce well, Foundation for years. Not only on the board, but voted to give out uh, tens of millions of dollars uh, to anti-gun groups to, to fight against gun rights, hmm. something he doesn't want to talk about. Yeah, so yeah. He, he's been an extremely heavy anti-gun rights activist behind the scenes. One of the things the Joyce Foundation pretty much demands on is that they don't give their grants to just any anti-gun group. The anti-gun group has to be in favor of banning some kind of gun. Really? So they take the position, for example, like, you know, it's my understanding, like uh, the Brady Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the Brady Center isn't going to, quote-unquote, say that they're for a gun ban of some kind, they don't get grant funding. Wow. So this is really, what we're looking here is what, what I like to call the uh, uh, grant-driven agendas. And their grants only go to people who are going to drive their anti-gun Agenda. So they're not just anti-gun; they're extreme anti-gun. Yeah, you can't get any more extreme. Yeah, when you want to ban guns, so that's Barack Obama. All right, let me get you another call here. Uh, four, line four. Keith's with us out of Salt Lake City, Utah. Hey, Keith. Good afternoon, gentlemen. I just wanted to comment uh, on Alan's indecision on which candidate uh, to vote for or against. Mm-hmm. We're in this situation because people kept being pragmatic and figured, well. This candidate's going to be at, at least not as anti-gun as the other ones that will elect him. Well, the problem is that the anti-gunners have maintained their baseline the whole time, while the pro-gun people just keep compromising closer and closer to the anti-gunners. What we need to do, if we want to take it back, is start telling people that the only way that you're going to get my vote is if you believe that I have the right to survive. If I don't have the right to defend my life, you don't have the right to my vote. You well, know, can I, com- can I yeah, comment on that? If you would, because I think I heard a little bit of what Keith is saying and what you were saying. Yeah, but, okay, yeah. the problem is while philosophically I could agree with him, practically I'm not going to leave as a general, not leave my troops into battle for slaughter so that all my troops are, 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 are killed and aren't around for the battle the next day. And the problem we have here is, is that it doesn't do us a whole lot of good to say that when those actions then mean that people we vote for don't win and the other side wins with the most extremist person there, shortening our amount of time we have to fight back and resources we have to fight back with. Mm. That's like committing suicide. So while I, I tend to agree with it, and, you know, again, I'm really struggling this time around in particular, if, if McCain was a B candidate, say, you know, not a C, it wouldn't be a problem. I'd be for McCain totally. Right. But, but the problem is he's, that he, he's marginal for me, and, and at that point, I'm not sure yet. But yeah. the thing is, you can't lead your troops to the battle knowing they're going to go out for a slaughter. 
Exactly. Hold on just a second here, Alan. Quick break. We'll come back. Our number is 866-TALK-GUNS. Talking with Alan Gottlieb from the Second Amendment Foundation about where we are with gun rights and this upcoming election. This is Gun Talk. If you like fine pistols, Kimber has three new 45s for concealed carry. They're called the CDP series. CDP stands for Custom Defense Package. Made in the Kimber Custom Shop, CDP pistols have features like rounded and melted corners, tritium night sights, checkered front strap, ambidextrous thumb safety, all at a savings of over $500 what these upgrades would cost if added separately. CDP pistols also have lightweight aluminum frames, stainless steel slides, match-grade bushingless barrels, high-ride beaver tail grip safety, and beveled magazine wells. The list goes on. To learn more or to locate the nearest Kimber dealer, visit the Kimber website at KimberAmerica.com. Or call toll-free at 1-800-880-2418. Information will be sent absolutely free. That's KimberAmerica.com. 1-800-880-2418. I've been on the local police force for 10 years now. I've stayed away from different gadgets and gimmicks that were supposed to improve my shooting. A few months ago, when I was at the range, another officer was using Crimson Trace laser grips. I have to say, I was pretty skeptical at first. Well, he let me shoot his gun, and I couldn't believe how fast and accurately I could hit the target, even in unconventional positions. At that point, I became a true believer and bought a set for myself. They were simple to install and easy to use. Crimson Trace laser grips are not a cure-all. But when my life depends on it, that red dot clearly identifies my point of aim, especially in low light conditions when most shootings occur. You could say it helps bad guys make informed decisions. Get to your favorite gun shop and try a set today. Or contact Crimson Trace for a free catalog at the location of a dealer near you. Call 800-442-2406 or visit their website at crimsontrace.com. Whether you hunt with a bow, rifle, or shotgun, Browning has the clothing to get the job done right. Browning Outdoor Clothing is loaded with features that add comfort and functionality. Things like mesh moisture barrier strips, expander pockets, featherweight neoprene cuffs, the patent-pending gear retriever system, and seamless shoulder construction, to mention only a few. Visit Browning.com and discover for yourself all the features that make Browning Outdoor Clothing your best choice. Browning Outdoor Clothing, the best there is. Dear Lupo, during a hunting trip in Louisiana, a hidden stump capsized our boat. Among the items that sank to the bottom was the rifle my dad gave me and my loop old scope. After two weeks, we recovered the rifle, totally ruined. But as I wiped off the scope's lenses and looked through it, everything was crystal clear. Thanks for making such a high-quality, well-crafted scope. Brad Martin, Louisiana. Loophole, the world's finest sports optics. Call 1-800-929-4949 for the Loophole dealer nearest you. Finally, the television channel you've been looking for, the Sportsman Channel, dedicated exclusively to hunting and fishing programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Absolutely no infomercials or variety programming, just tried and true hunting and fishing. To see what you've been missing, visit us at thesportsmanchannel.com and call your cable or satellite provider and request the Sportsman Channel today. The Sportsman Channel, all hunting, all fishing, all the time.
All right, back with you here. Tom Gresham, Gun Talk, 866-TALK-GUNS, 866-TALK-GUNS. We're talking with Alan Gottlieb from the Second Amendment Foundation, kind of looking at the lay of the land, where we are today. Um, Alan's kind of a mixed bag right now, I guess, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, sometimes you have these really high highs and we're looking at some low lows. <laughs> we really are. I um, I have been very excited about the Heller case, the D.C. gun ban case. I think it's going to be good for us. I know people are saying, well, you know, it's going to be with some reservations. We're not going to get everything we want. But, you know, because you and I have been at this for so long, we understand. We went through a long period where basically the gun banners didn't get everything they want wanted, but they kept chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And we lost rights, lost rights, lost rights. I'm willing to do that in reverse, and, I, you know, I'm good for another 20 or 30 years doing it that way then. Yeah, I don't disagree with you, but I'm not so sure this, the Heller case decision is going to give away half the farm, so to speak, and only let us have half a victory. It very well may give us half a victory and be silent on the rest, setting up future challenges without saying what those guidelines are. Right. I think the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, uh, Roberts, doesn't really want to make this much more than a narrow ruling. And Scalia, of course, who I believe is the person who worded what the case is going to be about, what the question the court's dealing with is, which is basically the Second Amendment, an individual right that, that guarantees you to have a you know, handgun in your own home. They may not deal with anything more than that. So in that case, I believe we're going to win, and they may just stop right there and not say anything else, uh, in which case then it opens it up for other cases, because we now know it's an individual right, and then we now can look at other laws. We already have the attorneys working on the uh, Heller case uh, on retainer, uh, working on other cases now, uh, so that as soon as the Heller verdict comes out, we'll be ready to go to court in, in other jurisdictions. Okay. We actually got a caller with a question about that. Uh, on line two, Chuck's with us out of Crosby, Texas. Hey, Chuck, you're on the air. Hello, Tom Allen. Uh, love you guys. Uh, number one, uh, the... Bush administration filed a really poor amicus curiae brief on the Heller case. Mm-hmm. Has, have they ever given us any explanation for why they did that? I am to the point where, man, I get all these things from the RNC and even Laura Bush send money, and I'm just not, you know, sending money in, uh, you know, for for it to just get indiscriminately. Mm-hmm kicked around. I'm I'm going to be real selective this year about where the money goes. Good question. Alan, the uh, the brief is filed by uh, the Solicitor General's office, which uh, certainly was a mixed bag, but it really was not a good thing for us. Well, let me address it. First, by the way, the caller not sending his money to the Republican Party right now. He's not the only one not doing that. Lots of gun owners are taking that position. Uh, but but, but it's good to tell them, but you need to tell them why, right? Yeah, basically because they're upset with the Solicitor General's brief that went in okay. in the Heller case. But let me, if I can, though, it, in, the concern we had with that brief was the fact that uh, while the brief did say the Second Amendment was an individual right, which supported half of our question, it then came out and said that the, the uh, case should not overturn the D.C. gun ban. It should be sent back to the lower court for trial on the facts, so to speak. Uh, and that the standard of review shouldn't be all that high. The logic behind what the Solicitor General did, which I don't necessarily agree with, was uh, on on the standard of review, was they're worried about knocking out other gun control laws 
that mm-hmm. they want to stay. Ones in some many cases we wouldn't disagree with, you know, like, you know, criminals, felons being able to, violent felons being able to have a firearm, things of that nature. And so they were trying to set down a marker. They just didn't do it in a very intelligent way. Mm. And when it came back kicking it down to the lower courts, that was such a non-starter that while it upset us because it gave some of the people on the court maybe a reason to not make a ruling and kick it back down, right. uh, during oral arguments, obviously nobody on the court, not one justice picked up on that. Not one of them cared about that argument. They it, thought it was stupid. It really didn't, didn't do anything to hurt us because they just kind of discounted it out of hand. Hold on a second. Music's rolling. We're going to come back. And don't go anywhere, Alan. Talk with Alan Gottlieb, Second Amendment Foundation, 866-TALK-GUNS. You're listening to Gun Talk. Welcome back to Gun Talk. Talking with Alan Gottlieb from the Second Amendment Foundation. Uh, Alan, you're right. Uh, we do use up this time very quickly. <laughs> yeah, boy. Can I? Okay, yeah, why don't you take the floor and just we're, no callers, nothing in your way. You go with it. Let me just, I want to still finish that last question. So the Solicitor General's, General's brief, while it helped us on the individual right argument, because it, de- it definitely you know put it to bed for sure, it could have backfired and hurt us in the other areas of, of not getting a D.C. gun ban overturned because it would have been kicked down to lower court for review. Uh, which isn't going to happen. But again, for defending the administration, Dick Cheney, as vice president, signed on to the brief uh, filed by the majority of members of the Senate and the House supporting the individual right and to overturn the ban. So the administration was sort of went in a couple directions. I think, honestly, the administration didn't even know what the Solicitor General was doing and wasn't even consulted on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Solicitor General got chewed up for his arguments with that, and it, it, it didn't fly very well, so it actually may have helped us. I don't know what its intent was. We still have no idea at all. But such as life. Um, and, and Tom, while I'm running out of time real quickly, sure. I, I just want, if I can, I really would like to thank all your listeners that have bought copies of my book, America Fights Back, from Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble or Borders, uh, and help keep it number one on the bestseller list because the anti-gunners just hated it. Choose them up, and I just love, I just love rattling and making their blood boil. Well, it's a great book. I mean, it's it's really a good, easy read, and you read it and you go, that's it. That's what we've been saying all the time. That's that's why we own guns is because it actually works. People can save their lives. They can save the lives of their family with guns, and people do. So, And you documented it. That's what was so great about it. Yeah, I mean, but it's been such a pleasure for six months to stay at number one in, you know, in gun control on Amazon, which I think is the best re- indication because lots of bookstores don't carry the, carry the book. So the place you can really see what's really selling is on Amazon's rankings. Right. And, and to be there and, and making sure at the same time when the anti-gunners put out a bunch of anti-gun books to try and influence the Supreme Court case in D.C. They, they, they can't even give them away, hardly. They can't even give them away. It's just great. Yeah, it is. So I want to thank your listeners that have helped. Well, listen, thank you. Uh, gun Rights Policy Conference, I want to hit that again because I'm telling people, if you haven't been to it, if you're a gun rights person, this can change your life, and it's free. If you go to saf.org, Second Amendment Foundation, uh, you can sign up there. It's Phoenix, September 26, 27, 28. Alan, we've adopted on Gun Talk this year what I call a no-shrug policy. No longer are we going to shrug and just say, well, that's the way it is. I can't do anything about it. No more. We are never going to let a lie sit there because our, our thing is no lie is going to be left unchallenged. And so this is part of the no-shrug policy. I'm encouraging everyone who can possibly to get out to the Gun Rights Policy Conference. It's, it's really, really worthwhile, and I mean that sincerely. 
Yeah, well, last year, of course, all the attorneys for Heller uh, for the case in D.C. were all there and talked about it, and I'm sure they're going to be back again this year. And we're hoping maybe we can have a Supreme Court justice come talk about it. Mm, that'd be pretty good. By yeah. the way, quick little story for you. I heard that uh, Ruth Gator Binsburg went shooting. Yeah, uh, she's been <laughs> shooting a couple times with Anthony Scalia, yeah, uh, who's yeah. taken her out shooting. And they're good friends. And uh, I personally think that her position on this is sort of like she doesn't oppose bans but supports regulations. Right. Uh, and I still don't know for sure where she's going to come down on this. But I'd be the last person to be shocked if she ends up voting our way. I know. And, and I've told several people that, and they said, no, no way. I said, I'm telling you. I, she's I getting think... pressured a lot by the other side not to. Sure, So it's, it's, she's, she's definitely conflicted on this, and it's going to be very interesting to see where she comes out. And that's going to be one of the <laughs> interesting things in this decision. Well, I'll tell you what, when the, when the decision comes out, we'll get you back on. How's that? Oh, I'd love to. All right. Alan, thank you so much for everything you do. Thanks for being here, my friend. Well, thanks for making an hour go so damn fast. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. I tell everybody hello back there in uh, Washington State, and uh, we'll see you out in Phoenix. Planning on that. I got it on my calendar. Okay, uh, great. All right, thanks, Alan. Alan Gottlieb from the Second Amendment Foundation, saf.org. I, uh, I kid you not when I recommend the Gun Rights Policy Conference. It's one of those things you come away from and you just go, I, I, I don't believe it. My life has just changed. It's like recharging your batteries times 10. Our number is 866-TALK-GUNS, 866-TALK-GUNS. Doors are open. You can wade right in with a question or a comment. This is Gun Talk. Gun Talk.